0: So good morning. Uh, my name is Heath, I am the lead pastor of REACH, and this morning I'm going to tell a story that if you've been in and around church, it seems like this is almost every week, um, that you've probably heard, and that you have probably had your own ideas about, and I have preached this sermon actually in uh, March of 2016, I preached on uh, the story that comes out of John 11, which is the story of Lazarus. And the problem with stories that you are somewhat familiar with, even if you've heard it one time, is that your brain begins to remember what you think that you learned from it. And sometimes we begin to cut off any potential learning. And I just want to tell you from the beginning to the end, you will never completely get everything out of this. I've talked to people who's like, oh, I've read it. And I was like, have not read it enough. There's so much. I mean, the Bible literally says that it is living and active. And as we read it and as we ask God to speak to us, He does in us what we didn't even see before. There have been so many texts that if you'll look at it with new eyes, God will just open up the door. And so that's literally what happened to me this week as I was reading um, in our one-year Bible and reading through the text. There was a line in the this that i just want to hammer on and i i think it's you know i i don't believe god does anything by accident but um i don't think it's by accident that i'm going to preach on lazarus and what the death of lazarus meant for others who then believed because of his death and as we celebrate those have died for us to have opportunities to still be here and still have the freedom to do this. Um, so, before we get into the word, I just want to pray that God would open our ears. Dimly, Father, Lord, I just acknowledge that uh, my words will fall flat without you. Lord, we ask, I ask, that your Holy Spirit would do what you promise in your word, that you would not let it return void. Lord, as we look at the life of Lazarus, if we put ourselves up to the story that we're going to go through and the interactions that you had and the lessons that you taught during this, Lord, I pray that you would instruct us. Lord, I pray that you would instruct us that there is no measure of sacrifice as it is dedicated to you that is too far or too much thank you for that this morning. Pray that in Jesus name. Amen. So my one thing that I want us to kind of end on, I'm going to be just like Daniel. I want to make sure that we all get on the same page is, are you willing to be Lazarus? No, I do not want any of you to die um, at all. So don't hear me with that but like are you willing to be Lazarus because the the one thing that I saw when I was looking at the text this week is what this which no one wants to really be Lazarus in this story what happened to Lazarus brought understanding brought revelation brought people to Jesus so let's jump into the text, and we're going to be in chapter 11, but before chapter 11, I just want to run through chapter 10 just a little bit, because we have to understand what's going on. A context is important. As you're reading, the danger of reading the Bible piece by piece is that we'll read one piece without he- reading the piece before it, and so it's really important, because we can look at what happened to Lazarus and 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 forget that God is the good shepherd which is what we see in chapter 10 he literally calls himself the good shepherd in verse 10 chapter 10 verse 10 he said i came that they may have life and have it abundantly and then in verse 11 in that same chapter 10 it says i am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep So we have to have the context of the good shepherd, because if not, we'll look at what happened to Lazarus and think that God doesn't care, that God isn't for us, that he isn't good. And the thing that we learn in John 10 is that God is good and he is in the business of laying down his life for us. Let me give you a little background leading up to this. So there's a conversation that happens in John 10 where he connects himself to the Father. And twice in the end of John 10, once they wanted to stone him, another time they wanted to arrest him. Jesus was coming to the end of his ministry on purpose. He was really beginning to do things that were going to close that gap between where he was in the cross And this is really one of the, what happened to Lazarus, was one of the most pivotal points that moved that closer and closer to the cross. And so Jerusalem, which is where, or close to where Bethany is, is a very dangerous place for Jesus to be. Dangerous in the sense that, you know, they wanted to stone him, they wanted to kill him, they wanted to arrest him, they wanted to end his ministry. And I love that every time before it was his time, just in case you believe that Jesus was not in control, every time they wanted to arrest him or kill him prior to when he decided that it would be the time that he went to the cross, they could not lay hands on him. Now, I know, I'm a, I'm a little geeky in the sense that, like, I think, did he disappear? There was one, like, literally they drive him to the, the crest of a hill. We're going to throw him off, and he just, like, walked through them. I mean, like, I don't know what happened. They drove him to that point, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, we're just going to let him go by. Or, you know, I don't know. I'm not saying he disappeared. Put on a cloak like Lord of the Rings and, you know, was unseen. I'm I'm not saying any of that. But until the point that he was ready to consummate the reason for him coming to planet Earth, there was nothing that they were going to do that was going to shorten his ministry. And so we pick that up in verse 1. Jesus is on the outskirts doing his ministry, and there's a message that is sent to him where we pick up in verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, The village that Mary and her sister Martha, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Okay, let me let me give you a little understanding of what's going on, and and some I'm going to speculate on, and I'll tell you when I'm going to speculate. Lazarus, who Jesus was very familiar with, whose sisters, actually the whole family that literally Jesus loved, he cared for them. This wasn't there was several healing encounters where people that he did not know came to him and asked for healing for their daughter or their servant that Jesus had no relationship with. This story. Jesus has relationship with these three. And so Jesus is a day's journey away from where they are. So they send someone from Bethany to find Jesus. They find Jesus and they tell him that Mary and Martha have sent us and their brother whom you love is ill. Now, a couple things to know that one day has passed. Already, because they traveled most likely and this is the speculation most likely Lazarus was dead by the time that they got the message no one knew that of course there's not like live tweeting or you know Facebook live and the morning it was none of that one thing I want you to also see here in this text in verse 3 it says Lord he whom you love is ill they use a different word for for love. They use a word phileo, which is like friendship love, like your friend is dying. And Jesus is going to word use the word love in just a minute. He's going to use an entirely different word. In verse four, it says, but when Jesus heard it, he said, listen, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the man, the Son of God, may be glorified through it. So Jesus is already saying, hey, what's going to happen out of this story? It's going to lead to the glory of God and the glorification of the Son of God. And then in verse 5 it says, And Jesus loved Martha. And her sister and Lazarus. Now he uses a different word here for love, agape, which is unconditional love. So not just, this is a friend of mine. This is Jesus saying, I love. They want to clarify his feelings for these people. And then verse 6, it seems very insensitive. In verse 6 it says, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, most likely, and Jesus would have known this, most likely, Lazarus was already dead at this point. No reason to run back to to Lazarus. Jesus wanted to prove something, which there's another little superstition that he potentially was dealing with. In verse 7, it says, after this, so two days longer, they kind of linger there. And then in verse 7, it says, after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to, to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again. So remember at the end of 10, they were going to stone him, they were going to arrest him, and his, he's like, we're going to go back to this place. And his disciples were like, okay, okay, okay. Remember, they wanted you dead. So like, you know, let's be cautious. And that was in John, um, 1031, they picked up the stones and in John 39, they sought to arrest him. And so in verse nine, Jesus is beginning to unearth what he's wanting to do here. In verse nine, Jesus answered. Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not with him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Like this is like we we got on WebMD and we've, we've seen that if you, if you, if you sleep and slumber like that means your body's restoring itself. And, you know, of course that's not what was going on. They didn't get it. Jesus knew he was already dead, but they didn't get it. They're like, okay, this is good. We're just going to go wake our brother up. It's going to be good. We can sneak into town. No one will stone us. No problem. Verse 13. It says, "And Jesus Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant he was taking rest and sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly. I love it when Jesus speaks to us plainly. Just so there's no confusion. This is what actually happened and Jesus told them plainly Lazarus is dead and, and here here's the whole text and we're gonna I'm gonna go through the, almost the end of um, John but this is this is where I want to land this is what I really felt from reading this that God just spoke something that we need to hear this morning verse 15 it says and for your sake I am glad that I was not there heartless your friend whom you love is now dead so that you may believe but let us go to him here's the beauty of the story and our potential relationship with Jesus today Jesus has the capacity to use every situation in our life to point others to Jesus, to point others to himself, which is what happens here, so that they may believe. This is the link to which Jesus will go to show the world his power over life and death. You notice before he went to the cross, he did it himself. Before he raised himself from the grave, he did it. ...to another person. He wanted people to understand the power and authority that he had. And the thing that I, now Lazarus, like most of us... ...in most of the scenarios that we come in contact with every day... ...we don't get to choose what happens in our life to some things. Lazarus didn't go, hey hey, God, God, email God, like, hey, I'm here. I want you to use me any way you can... And you know Jesus have a conversation with him like, be willing to die, I mean like really die. And then but I'll come back and resurrect. No, there was no conversation before Lazarus got sick and he died. And then that very common thing God was going to show Himself through His life. Here's the question: What is the purpose for your life? See, the danger that we run into in our world in the USA is that we get to choose what we want from our life. It's what you get told every day, that you get to choose your own destiny. You get to decide who you're going to be. And the problem with that is that we can choose something that brings only glory to ourselves, or we can choose to trust and believe in a God who wants to use us to change the world. And some of you may think, well, like, I don't want to be Heath. Like, I don't want to get up in front of people. I don't want to talk. Trust me, I didn't either. So, like, that's not an excuse. Like, this was not my life plan. Like, I didn't graduate from high school and be like, I'm going to be a preacher. It's not my plan. It took years of God going, okay, you run for it. That's all right. I'm really patient. How far will you let God use you? And how much will you trust Him in that using to point other people to Jesus? And so Jesus said, let let us go to Him. And I love Thomas, who, you know, gets his name. You've heard of the little doubting Thomas. I mean, not Thomas is the guy who once Jesus resurrected, everybody else had seen him. He was like, until I stick my fingers in his soul, like I'm not believing. Like we do that. And then I love that in that interaction, and this is free, that Jesus came to him and he sees him and he's like, I don't have to. And he's like, No, no, no. Thomas, come on. Like he wasn't like, how dare you not trust and believe? He's like, Come, put your hands in my hands. See where the nails entered. And so they journey on the way back. So one day for Jesus to get the message, two days of lingering where he was, and another day's journey, it's four days later. And he when he arrives, when he's coming into town, Martha comes to Jesus and has this conversation with him, going, if you would have been here, if you would have... And we do this in our own life, as things aren't going the way we plan, we... we and I don't think she was necessarily angry. She loved Jesus. But she was like, if you were here, you could have. And is was like, I know he's going to resurrect in the end of days. like, Whoa, whoa. That's when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. To so four days in the tomb, and they're having this conversation, and I've skipped ahead a little bit, but um, John 11, let me read it to you, 25 through 27, this is during the conversation, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, which they're still going, what are you talking about? They haven't seen the resurrection, they don't know yet about the cross, they don't know yet about the empty tomb like we do, but these words that we read, we get to understand what he's saying he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Could you imagine being right there before Jesus? And it's so fresh. I mean, there was a mourning process in this culture for the loss of a loved one, and, and it's so fresh that they're still there, they're still mourning the loss of Lazarus and he's going, do you do you believe even in your pain do you believe and verse 27 it says and she said to him yes lord i believe that you are the Christ the son of God who is coming into the world she is saying translation you're the messiah you are the the prophesied king that would return and set up his kingdom That you are the Christ that is going to save us. But just like there, she didn't have a lot of hope for today. There's this um, 37 chapters after what Daniel preached last week. God gave a, a very weird prophetic action to Ezekiel chapter 37 took him to this place where there's a bunch of dry bones and said, what do you see? And he's like, I see dry bones. In verse 11 of chapter 37, it says they had lost all hope. In verse 13 of Ezekiel 37, it says, And you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves, like this is literally Jesus is like operating in this. And raise you from your graves, O my people. In verse fourteen, and I will put my spirit within you, which we talked about last week, and you shall live, and I will place in you I will place you in your own land, and you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. And Ezekiel prophesied, and these bones came back to life. See, there, there is, when you're dead, there is no resurrection for you in you. Hear me. I'm not saying there's no resurrection. I'm not saying there's no potential of what Jesus is going to do. But I'm saying when you're dead, there is no opportunity for you to save your own life because you're dead. See, the problem is, is we only think about that in death versus life. Life, the Bible says that we are all dead in our transgressions, dead. You now here in this room, unless you have received life through Christ, you are the walking dead. That was before the show. Sorry. (laughs) And in your death, you have no capacity to bring life to yourself. And this is what Jesus is doing because you didn't you may not have known this, I didn't know this until the other day, but there was a superstition during this time that when you died, that your, your soul would linger around your body for three days. And so I don't think it was by any accident that Jesus came on day four. He didn't want to be like, well, that soul was just lingering and Jesus was like, no, well, get back in there. And then he got up. They wanted to make sure that they knew that he was dead. Because when you see something that was dead, that has life, it does something in us. It does something to us. And so you know the story, or maybe you don't, but Jesus is you know, then confronted by Mary, who Mary's like, you know, let's just go. Where's he at? Where, where's he been laid? And they come to the tomb, and the tomb has been sealed up, and they're like, let's open it. And one of them is like, it's going to stay. Like dead people, there was no, I mean, there was no process, and it's hot. Like the reason why they put them in the tomb so quickly, the reason why they prepared their bodies so quickly is because you begin to rot immediately. And so they put Lazarus in the tomb, and they come up to the tomb, and they're outside of it, and he's like, "Roll it away." And their obvious is like, "This is going to smell." Jesus is not worried about our stink. What does he do? We talked about this. The words of life. the, The Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The one who spoke us into existence. And he walked outside of the tomb or up to the tomb. And he spoke life to Lazarus. He told Lazarus to come from death to life. I mean, and I, honestly, I think this is where the mummy came from. Because Lazarus stood up in his grave clothes. And it was on his face. I mean, because they said, like, Come unwrap this dude. And so they unwrap him and he, he comes alive. And there's something that happened. there's something that happens when Jesus brings life to where there was death. In verse 45 and 46, it says, Many of the Jews, therefore, because they were around Jerusalem, lots of friends and family were there. They witnessed. They saw that he was dead. There was no question that he was dead. He had been in the tomb for four days. There was no question that he was alive again. And that through that action, it says, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had came with Mary... And had seen what he did, believed in him. Verse 46 is, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. This was the nail in the coffin for Jesus. This was the miracle that ended, not by like it went out of his control, but this was the miracle that, that led to the cross. They were like, we've got to do something about this. So here, here's, where, here's where I want us to land. If you are a child of God, God did not bring you into his kingdom. He did not bring you into his family so that you could be rewarded in that. Don't take me wrong. This isn't he loved Lazarus and in his love he allowed death to happen but in that death just like Paul in 2nd um, Corinthians 12 when he prayed about this thorn in his flesh, and he realizes that it's not going to be removed and he said then all the more I will boast in my weakness so that the power of God may rest on me. How far are you willing to allow God to use you so that in the the end result of God working in you is always what God wants to work through you, and it does benefit you don't don't think like always oh, just use him as a conduit there's always think about it through this text alone. Did it benefit Lazarus? Yes. He was dead. He is alive. But in that transformation, people got to see the power of the living God. And let me just tell you, I don't want to resurrect any of you from the dead. Because I don't want you to die. But I want you to understand that there are places in you that there is death. That God wants to bring life to. And in bringing life to that place. He wants to show how powerful he is. There are marriages in this room. Connected to our church. That there's death there. And I don't mean like. oh, It smells like death. I mean literally. Without the power of the living God. It will never be what you want it to be. But if God comes in and resurrects that. Like I I know couples that I've seen it and I've seen where it was and where it is now in the testimony of what that brings. Because those closest to you will know I'm telling you addiction is the same thing. There's things potentially in our life that we are addicted to. And I'm not talking about like I don't do drugs. Heath. I go to church. You know, like, I'm not addicted. There's things that we can be addicted to that aren't these things that we think about addiction. One of the most dangerous things that we can be addicted to is an idol. You're like, I don't have any idols in my house. You probably do. And I don't mean the carved wood ones. I mean the things that you're giving your life to. That thing that brings you value that's not Christ. And when we allow... Christ, to bring life to where there was death. Others will see that. It changes us. Could you imagine the testimony in two chapters later? There was a plot to kill Lazarus. He's already died once. And they want to kill him. Why did they want to kill him? Because his very life, his very breath, was a testimony to who Jesus was. They wanted to eradicate that testimony. Imagine what your life could mean. Now, some of you may not be able to preach the gospel. But You can. And I don't mean like eloquently. I don't mean like Paul walking up into, you know, the most pagan places and start teaching Maybe you'll get there. We all need to have understanding of what the gospel means. But we can begin to preach the gospel just in the fact of what God's doing in us. Those words that He has brought death to life. And I'm not saying live in ignorance and be like, oh, you know, this happened and God did this. But like knowing how He did that, knowing why He did that. It transforms our life. There's no life without it. There just isn't. You can come here. You can worship with us. You can sing songs. You can raise your hands and play church. Or you can live with the resurrection and the life in you today. This is the beauty of the gospel is that we don't live we don't live and serve a God who's just submitted these things that He wants you, these rules He wants you to follow. He wants to have a relationship with you. Because in that relationship, there are things, I'm telling you, in the twenty four years, twenty-four years that I've said yes to Jesus, there's lots of things He's brought new life in that I was Totally unaware. Like, I didn't even know that that was there. And as we live and breathe with Jesus, He brings life. See, the thing that He does in us is not just that one encounter. Jesus doesn't want to just save you. He wants to completely make you holy. From one glory to the next, He wants to begin to shape and mold you. And each time that He does that, He gets to show Himself is the one that brings life and life abundantly. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up, and as we close, I, I, there, there's two there's two things that I, I feel like God would love to do in and through us today. One is some people in this room just need to be willing to submit to the lordship of Christ and. When Christ is Lord and King, he gets to decide. And with that, and that's why you've got to have John 10 before you get into 11, with which God is the good shepherd. Part of that laying down our life is understanding that he's good at even in death, just like Lazarus, God still loved him. Like, I think some of the most dangerous things that we can do as we journey through this world is every time we meet an obstacle is to begin to think, does God love me? If you just started every day understanding, regardless of what today brings, that God loves his children flawlessly. The scripture actually says that, you know, if I as an evil person can give good gifts To my children, how much more abundantly will our Heavenly Father give gifts to us? If we can live and start in that place, then our life, it it makes it so much different. It didn't change it. Paul, in prison, said, I've learned to be content with all things. He's learned to be content because his trust and his treasure was in the one thing that they could not take for him. So some of us in this room need to realign ourself with going, I'm yours, whatever you want to do with me. And that means tomorrow you have to wake up and go, God, I know I said that. But the beginning of that is going, God, I trust you with what's going to happen today. And I believe Romans eight twenty eight. all things happen for the good of those who love him or are called according to his purpose. If you're a child of God, even the most painful things God is using for our good. So if we change our perspective, it gives the opportunity for people to see that. And some of us in this room need to understand that God is not interested in just having a piece of you. He doesn't want just part of you. He doesn't want some of your life. He doesn't want your hour on Sunday or hour and 15 minutes on Sunday. He wants all of you. And some of you in this room need to come to that place of going, here I am. I'm yours. So wherever you find yourself this morning, the reason why we're going to sing a song, the reason why we're going to linger here is because I cannot make you do anything i can't convince you to do anything if i do it will be gone by tomorrow but if the holy spirit comes in today right now and lay something on your heart and begins to have this change in you it could radically transform you forever so have a meeting right now two to three minutes you can sit you can stand you can Sing, you can praise, and you just go, God, what do you want to do with me? Because if our mission is the great commandment, is the great commission, and our lives are the conduit that that happens. Dear Heavenly Father, I am so grateful. For Lazarus, I'm so great, grateful for the reminder that even in our pain, you can bring life. And I am so grateful that not only do you bring life to me. But you bring life to others as they see your power manifesting itself in me. So Lord for us in this room, I pray that you would allow us you would help us i should say learn to submit and trust you alone so where we've trusted other things where we've put our hope and faith in our job and our our bank account and our and maybe even in our spouses Lord, i pray that today we can trust in you and that our heart and our passion would be in that one place Lord, I pray that we would learn to seek you as a child in the innocence that we hear just on the other side of this wall, that you would allow us to enjoy all things as you bring us to victory. So we praise these things, pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.